Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Okay. All right. Um, before I start, I just want to tell Steve that I was wrong <laughs> when we had those issues. <laughs> I was a Wookiee, not knowing much, you know. So. Is he on? Okay. Okay. Uh, I. Uh, uh, well, that's not true. But I, I, I John uh, Egan, the sound guy, said. Uh, to me, uh, while he was just up there, you better pray for spiritual warfare because we're having all kinds of problems. The live stream's not working. The sound's all messed up. I said, yeah, was, today's about Haiti. And if you knew ministry in Haiti, that's exactly what happened. So there you have it. Uh, anyway, go for it. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Uh, Pastor Steve already summed up you know, what I was going to talk about. So since uh, the title of my message is just thank you, so I can say thank you, God bless you. All right, I'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I think he said it all, all already. But uh, let's, let's pray. Lord God, we thank you so much for this new opportunity to share, this new opportunity to meet, to see once more, many of our friends here, people that we've known for the past 15 years, people who have gone in Haiti, sometimes in the midst of chaos, and they went and served you and loved people. We love them. We pray blessing upon Calvary Chapel in the city. We pray, Lord, that you continue to use them for your glory, for your honor, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, sorry. For those who know me, you know that I don't get emotional, right? Yeah, I'm all logic and reason and <laughs> sorry about that. But, you know, I think, you know, this is how I feel about this church. You've been a great friend. Okay, let us talk about you, sir. So I don't cry. Thank you. Thank you. In fact, last week, I listened to Pastor Greg's message. Uh, uh, Steve called me, I think, last Sunday. He said, did you listen to the message? I said, no. He said, uh, he talked about you a little bit. And then that's where I found my message for this morning. <laughs> I said, uh, you know, he talked about how he misses the church here, how he loves you guys and misses you and misses many things, you know, uh, from this church, Calvary Chapel in the city, and I do too. I love many things about this church. So this is like Pastor Greg's message, part two. Okay, he he told you what he misses, and I'm going to tell you what I love about this church. Uh, first of all, I love your simplicity. Okay, the first time I came here, I was surprised how simple it is, especially with um, my background. You know, black Haitian. So we love our music loud, right? Our worship and dancing and, you know, then I came here, it was our quiet and, you know, but you could feel the, the spirit of the Lord was here. So it's like, I think it's one of the psalms that says, you know, God is in the wind, God is in, you know, God is, is in everything. So I, I've learned in these past 15 years to, to appreciate that. So, you know, to, to, to love your simplicity. And in Haiti, we try to mimic it. You know, we try to mimic many of the things that we'll, we see here in this church in Port-au-Prince. Because in Haiti, we try to complicate everything. Everything is so complicated. So, so we try to keep it simple like you do here. And, uh, in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, the Bible says that, uh, uh, you know, the Bible kind of like defines what the gospel is. And I advise you guys, I... You know, to keep it simple, to keep the gospel simple, as you keep the services simple, as you keep your life simple. When, I, when I'm here, I usually stay with uh, Dr. Eric. And then, you know, when I go to his house, too, everything is simple, you know. And I, I've, I got to meet so many great guys living there, you know. The, you know, I really appreciate the simplicity of life here in this church and in your life, guys. And so I encourage you to keep the gospel simple to you do, but I'm just, you know, emphasizing it a little bit more for, especially for the new folks here. 
It says what the gospel is, so know what it is and keep it simple. Sometimes we can go, especially when you live in a city like Boston with so many great schools. When I was in high school, believe it or not, you know, I'm 61 years old, so in high school was like a different life, you know, <laughs> an eternity ago. My dream in high school in Haiti was to come to Boston for college because Boston has been the, the education capital of the world for many, many, you know, for, you know, uh, many decades now. So, and uh, this was my dream, you know. And I ended up coming here to school. So I came to UMass for five years. You know, I lived in Boston for five years going to UMass. And I appreciate everything about it. I used to go to Harvard Square just to sit and smell Harvard, you know. <laughs> Yeah, so I loved it here. I, I love to take the, the red train, stop by MIT, you know, walk around, you know, and I even take some night, night classes there just to tell people that, you know, I took some classes at MIT too, you know. <laughs> so uh, keep it simple. It says in First Corinthians 15, verse 1 and 2, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, and on which you have taken your stand. Verse 2, by this gospel you are saved, if you hold it firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. Verse 1 and 2 tells us, you know, that the gospel must be preached. It, it, uh, uh, the, these two verses also tell us that uh, the gospel must be received. I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received, and on which you have taken your stand. That means uh, the gospel becomes our values. You know, we stand on this, on this, on this truth. And uh, verse 2 says, by this gospel you are saved. It's not that you will be saved, but by the, this gospel you are saved. So, the gospel also saves. If, lastly, you hold firm to the word I preach to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. So you must persevere in your belief as well. It's telling. But it tells us all these great truths, but it doesn't tell us what the gospel is still. What is it? So verse 3 tells us, uh, and 4 tells us what the gospel is actually. It says, uh, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ, and that's the start of the gospel. It's very simple. The gospel starts right there, that Christ died for our sins according to the Bible or the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that's the gospel. So keep it simple. That's it. In Haiti, sometimes uh, when you ask people in the, in the churches, you know, what is the gospel, they, don't, they cannot answer that. And in Haiti, I don't know if you believe it, believers call them, themselves sometimes the gospel. I am the gospel. You know? And you say, but what is it? They don't know. So know what it is. Christ died for our sins according to the Bible. He was buried and was raised on the third day according to the gospel. So, verse 1 and 2 tells you that the gospel saves. You must believe it to be saved. And it says that it becomes our values, our world vision. And we must continue to believe it. We must persevere, continue to believe it. And so, uh, it is simple, but sometimes we have a tendency to complicate it. So, in this church, one of the things that I've learned, you keep things simple. So keep it simple. Uh, I, remember, I remember the first time I spoke here in this church 15 years ago. Pastor Steve is maybe like me, a risk taker, because that was a huge risk. You, know, you don't know the guy. You don't know, you know what he's going to say. I mean, somebody may come to a church and destroy it in one message. You know that, right? You know? So that was a huge risk. But uh, he took some precaution. I, uh, he called my pastor. 
in Melbourne, you know, I learned it afterward, after the fact, you know, that he called my pastor. And my pastor said, yeah, you can trust him. It's Calvary Chapel of Melbourne, not Australia, in Freud. You know? And uh, I talked about, you know, how you have to make an effort to listen to me teaching. Why? Because I have a French accent. And uh, it's to my advantage. Because maybe somebody here will feel sleepy or distracted. But you have to make an extra effort to hear me, right? So I get you right where I want you, right? <laughs> Focused. <laughs> uh, and uh, I mean, one can be self-conscious when you, you, know, you speak in a different language. I listened to Craig last, uh, last, last uh, Sunday, and I understood what he was going through. He says that he sometimes you know, uh, preaches in Spanish in Argentine, you know. And I said, all right, now you understand me. <laughs> when I'm teaching here, you know, you can be self-conscious. And now that I'm getting older, you know, it's even worse. Because, uh, I mean, I shake every time I preach, you know. One of my legs is shaking right now, you know. <laughs> you see, it's not even on the ground sometimes. I keep it light, you know. <laughs> you know? It's always like that. But now that I'm 61 years old, sometimes I don't know if my leg is shaking because I'm afraid or because I'm old. You see what I mean? <laughs> I, uh, I am always on the computer. And like about five, four or five months ago, I've noticed that uh, when I double click, you know, something funny happened. It's like I triple click or you know, quadruple click. And, and I said, wow, man. I need really to exercise, you know, to strengthen this muscle. I'm getting too old now. And I even think about maybe I should quit teaching computer classes because, you know, I'm too old now. You know, I have so many students, you know, that can take over, things like that. And then about, you know, a month ago, I said, let me change mouse, you know. You never know. And I get a new mouse. And it was the mouse. <laughs> Man, <laughs> oh, hold on. I mean, hold and behold, the mouse was defective, right? <laughs> so why am I telling you that? You know, at some point, you may be in the same position, but hold firm to what you believe. <laughs> I mean, hold firm to it. Don't be self-conscious about it. You know, in a city like Boston, you know, this is one of the most secular cities in the world. You know, you, you may be self-conscious about things. You know, just trust on the Lord. Just trust on the Lord. I remember, and this is not in my notes, I, I was in Florida. In Florida, if you know Florida, you don't take the bus or things like that in Florida, even in the big cities. You know, everybody has a car. Like in my house, when I was, you know, uh, living in Florida, you know, my wife and I with two children, we had four cars. <laughs> that is the way it is, because everywhere you go, you have to take a car. So, and then uh, uh, I moved back to Haiti, so came back here. Now we have only one car in the house, and sometimes, you know, there is conflict in the schedule. So I ended up taking the bus, you know, and I took the bus, and I said, wow, I've been taking the bus for like maybe 30 years now, you know, since I was in Boston, you know. And then uh, it was a divine appointment. You know, there was a guy sitting next to me. Not the guy, sorry, the, the driver. I was sitting, and then I just felt like going and talk to the driver. So I stood, and I say hi, and, and I explained to him, like, you know, this is the first time in, like, maybe 30 years that I take the bus, and I don't know, I don't know anything about the schedule. And I told him where I want to go, and he told me what to do, and things like that. And then I said, by the way, do you go to church? And he says, say no more. What church should I go to? Say what in my heart? Say what? What is going on? He said, "This is confirmation of something that the Lord has been stewing in my heart." You know, he says, "What church?" I said, "Calvary Chapel of Melbourne." And he says, "Will I see you there?" I said, "No, I live in Port-au-Prince, but you go there." And he says, "I will definitely go there. You don't have to say no more." He says, "I was raised in the church." You know, he says that uh, I stayed away for many years now doing my thing. But he says, lately, the God has been speaking to my heart. 
reminding me of what, I've, uh, what I'm running away from. And he said that I knew that I needed to go back to my relationship with Jesus. And that, just that, you know, God is always working. So don't be self-conscious, you know, just live your life, love on people, share the gospel, and keep it simple. Number two is the consistency of the teaching of the word of God. You know, Pastor Steve is a great teacher, and, and I'm not saying that because he is here, you know. Uh, you know, uh, the church in, in Port-au-Prince know that, and we have a few folks who used to be in the church. David, can you stand up, David? David used to be a leader in the church. No. He, lives in, he lives here now. David was in the first Bible study that started the church. You know, he's along. And he knows that Pastor Steve is a great teacher. So we all know that. My wife and I, we are like what we call Bible teaching junkies. I don't know if you know that existed, right? It's like we listen to teaching all the time, you know. And my wife, more than I, you know. She's a junkie, you know. And she's not here. I can say that, right? <laughs> you know, on, like this morning, if you go to my house and you, you would see my wife in front of her computer, listening to different messages from different Calvary Chapel, from the East Coast to, you know, it's like, you know how the time, you, you, you're like one hour away from, you know, some state, in, you know, in the middle of, and one hour away, one hour. So she will just follow that timeline, you know. <laughs> Start with the East Coast and keep on going until you go to the West Coast and she listen to maybe five services, you know. That's the way she is. And Pastor Steve is one of the people that she listens to, you know, so... If she's a junkie and she like that, you know, it must be good for junkies, right? Are you a Bible teaching junkie? You know, it is good. I listen to all type of pastors from all type of denomination. It doesn't matter. We form, you know, I just know how to listen to them. Pentecostal, you know, Baptist, all type. I just listen, you know. You will learn something from, from all these guys, and I've learned a lot through the years. So you have a great teacher. The word of God is faithfully being taught in this church. You know, and uh, my favorite verse, one of my favorite verses in, in the Bible, and it's been like that for a long time, is uh, Ezra, uh, chapter 10, verse, I mean, chapter 7, verse 10, that says, for Ezra had devoted himself to the study, number one, the study, second, observance of the law of the Lord, which is the Bible, and number three, to teaching its decree and laws to other people, to the country, to Israel. So, so I love this church because of this reason, the simplicity, the consistency of the teaching of the word, you know, and uh, the Bible is a drug that cures so many things. Like in Haiti now, they don't know that, but, you know, I am doing... Uh, I have a radio teaching going through the Bible, and the radio had asked me to stop doing verse by verse. It's a Baptist radio. So they said, you know, we like topical teaching too. So, <laughs> so why don't you stop doing the verse by verse and give us some, uh, you know, topical teaching? And one of the things that I'm preparing for them is, like, get 20 verses for 20 different teaching that says, if Haiti applies this verse, to the Bible, we would be better off today. Just that one verse. So it cues so many things. So I prescribed, I can see things like that, the Bible as doctors prescribe medication. You know, I do. Uh, I have cast many demons, you know, in the name of Jesus, you know, in Haiti since I've been there. They, I've, I've been called into so many different settings, you know, and I rarely pray. And people sometimes don't understand that. You know, we call you to pray, and you're not praying. No, I'm just reading the old Bible. And the demon is cast out. <laughs> you know, just read the Bible. Sometimes I, I have a radio, one of these radios, or a cell phone, a computer reading the Bible. I just sat it next to the person. And after a while, all demons are cast out. Because the Bible, uh, 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 the Bible says that the Word of God is a double-edged sword. So, and demon cannot listen to the Bible. If you look, I mean, if you read Luke chapter 4, you will see 
the same story in Matthew 4 and Luke 4. But Luke 4 gives some details, more details. It tells you while Jesus was praying and fasting, he was being persecuted by the devil. It's while he was doing that. You can be in prayer and the devil may be sitting there. Because sometimes our prayer is just like the expression of our heart. It's not the word of God. And sometimes it's like a bad expression you know, of, of our heart. You know, I know personally, I don't know about you, but I've prayed some bad prayers. You know, when I, when I uh, returned to the church, I, I, I stopped going to church. When I, when I was about 15, 16, I stopped going to church. And then I did a few things, you know, that I'm not proud of. And I came back when I was 34 years old. And uh, when I came back, I was already seven years in married. And it was like seven years of misery, of trouble. You know, so now that I come back to the church, I thought that everything was going to be just fine now. It got worse, you know, for a few years. And then at some point, I prayed, God, you know, my wife and I, we were like good friends before all this. I know why this is not working now. Because we are intimate. Because when we were friends, we weren't doing that stuff. You see what I mean? And now we start doing this, you know, we start being too close to one another. That creates trouble. I said, God, I know how to fix it. You just make me not want her anymore. You know, intimately. And it will be fine. We will become friends again, like we were when we were, when we were in college. And everything will be perfect. Imagine that. You know, a prayer like that. And sometimes we want God to answer all type of prayers, right? No, he can't do that because he loves me. He loves you, see what I mean? Now, man, I would be asking Pastor Steve to, you know, ask the church to fast so I can get it back, see what I mean? Because I would be in trouble. <laughs> and I'm thinking now that I'm 61 years old. I was like 35, 36 years old at that time. And I'm asking God to take this away, all these feelings and we would just become friends, and we'll raise, we'll, we would raise the kids, you know, as friends and things. No. We sometimes pray prayers that, you know, will never be answered. And thank God, you know, for that. So I use the word of God for demon possession, for uh, people who are losing their mind. Sometimes it's just a spiritual battle in the mind. I just ask them to read the Bible. Uh, two months ago, there was a young doctor in Haiti. And you have to watch me because this is not in my notes. <laughs> uh, watch the time. Uh, there was a young doctor in Haiti who called me, and she, she tells me that she's seeing, you know, creatures that don't exist. She's just seeing them. Other people don't see them, but she's seeing them. And uh, that, I mean, she got saved about a year ago in our church with her husband, both doctors. And then now she just went to a prayer meeting somewhere. I don't know where, and then... She came back with all these evil spirits that she's seeing, and she's, she feels like she's losing her mind. And she almost, um, she almost had an accident going home, driving, because, you know, those spirits were, like, attacking her and things like that. So, and then she called me. She said that uh, she, uh, her mom prayed, the family keep on praying, but, you know, there is no answer. And she said, what would you recommend? I said that you read your Bible or make your computer read it for you. And in no time, you will be fine. And she said, that simple? I said, that simple. And she did it. You know, she had taken like two weeks off, you know, because she wouldn't work, you know, with all these demons that she's seeing. And then two days after that, she was back to work. You know, she says, okay, it's done, you know. The word of God works. So when you're in the Bible teaching church, you don't know how valuable that is until you're not in a Bible teaching, Bible teaching church anymore. My son at some point had left Calvary Chapel and started going to another church in the area. He just wanted to experience different things. He was raised in a Calvary Chapel, so he wanted to experience something else. And then uh, he told me, there's something missing. And then I said, okay, I don't know, look for it, you know, or help out. <laughs> and then he found out, you know, it's the word of God. You know, something was missing. It was the word of God. So you don't know how valuable it is until you don't have it anymore. And 
the danger in a Bible teaching church, there's a danger as well, is that you can get so used to it that you don't see the value anymore. See what I mean? Don't get used to it. Keep on getting good dose of Bible reading, Bible teaching, and give it the importance that it deserves in your life. The third thing about this church that I love is your love for people. You love people in this church. Right after we started the ministry in uh, Port-au-Prince, Pastor Steve came right away, and then he's been going since like maybe four or five times a year, same as Eric, you know, four or five times a year. You know, uh, the, first thing that, the first thing that he shared with me was the idea of uh, the orphanage. Now we have uh, some of the boys, four of them are in, uh, in junior, they are junior now, yeah, junior high. So this is how fast things, uh, thing, thing, things, things, uh, you know, things go in Haiti. But these guys, like Jimmy, one of them, and he said that he has the calling to be a pastor. He's a very smart student. In, in fact, I will, you know, uh, make sure that uh, that he get a, a trade even before, you know, going into full-time ministry. He's he's a very smart student. You know, we have. Uh, the boot camp ministry that Eric, that's kind of Eric's ministry in Haiti. You know, we have uh, students that we pick up from the streets uh, of Port-au-Prince, and some of them are in uh, 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 senior high right, right now. And we were talking about it even this morning, how, like, the money that we had for the construction of the church, I, yeah, I mean, some of that money, a good chunk of that money went into that ministry, and the church, the construction never finished because of that. But it was a great investment. And uh, uh, Eric knows these guys more than I do. You know, sometimes I have to ask him, this guy who is like uh, kind of skinny, what's his name again? I have to ask Eric, you know, that his ministry in Haiti. After the quick, man, you know, these guys, you know, they surprised me. We had the quick, all the banks were closed, all the markets, everything was closed, and we didn't have like any food stocked. And then, Everybody in the church who didn't know what to do, they just came to me. You know, we, we need food. <laughs> we need a place to stay. You know, and we, we were like in trouble. We didn't know what to do. So we God, <laughs> we don't know what to do. And this guy, the church had an offering for that. But there was no plane going to Haiti. The airport was closed. Eric and um, two other people, Mike, uh, is Mike McMillan here? No? And, and uh, Mitzi? Is Mitzi here? No? Okay. But uh, th the three of them, Eric Burks, Mike, and Mitzi, they went to the DR. Uh, when you are in the capital of the DR, you are like eight hours drive from where we were. They rented the car, you know, and they are like thieves on the roads going, you know, <laughs> from uh, the DR to, ha to Haiti. So they had to hide this money you know, in their socks, <laughs> you know? And they rented the car, they filled it with rice and beans, which is our favorite food in Haiti, you know, and spaghetti and oil and whatever they could buy. They filled this car with food and they drove eight hours to our rescue. This is how this church loved people. And I can go on and on and on, but we don't have time for that, but we could go on and on and on and on. Love is contagious. So I learned to love through the love that myself, my family, the ministry in Haiti received from you guys. You know, I learned to love through you, and I thank you for that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, when Craig was explaining last Sunday about the trips, some of the trips that this guy take to Haiti, um, I don't know if I would agree to do this, you know, in another country. It's dangerous. It's like your life is actually in the balance. <laughs> they were like very perilous drives to the mountains to go love people in the mountains of Haiti. And Pastor Steve even drove one day. That was even scarier. <laughs> he knows how to drive a stick shift, but, you know, in Boston, you don't really drive a stick shift. 
it's automatic. So, so he lost that training a long time ago. I mean, but, you know, I told you I'm a risk taker, right? <laughs> we took the risk. And uh, the thing I, I could never understand is that Pastor Steve had fun in those roads. You know, I understand that. You know, sometimes people were asking me, is he okay? Because <laughs> he, keep, he keep on saying, you know, I pay for this drive in Orlando or other places, you know what I mean? <laughs> to go on this roller coaster drive. <laughs> I, I pay 60 bucks, you know, for this type of drive. But man, I'd rather stay home. <laughs> Thank you guys for loving us for, you know, through the years. Number four is your faithfulness. You know, you've been doing it faithfully for the past 15 years. Sometimes I got tired. You know, like I heard the quake, you know, and there was a quake yesterday morning again in my wife's hometown. So for me, I couldn't say anything. Sad. God, I'm tired. You know, it's been like that. One thing after another, one thing after another. It's never stopped in Haiti. Never stopped. And now it's even worse because insecurity is like, you know, very high. I don't go out if I don't really need to. I don't go out at all unless I need to. I go out to go teach in the church or, you know, go some, do something that I must do. But I don't go out because when you go out, you don't know if you're coming back home. This is how bad it is. They were kidnapping people about two months ago, like 10, 15 people, I mean, uh, sorry, uh, 10, 15 people a day. You know, and scattered everywhere. So you don't know. You know, there's a road that I take like very often from where I live to the church. And one day, you know, I just I was going to that road, and then all of a sudden, ah, let me go this way straight. <laughs> you know what? They were kidnapping people on that road. You know, when you know after like a few minutes, somebody uh, sent me a text: Don't go through that road. <laughs> they are kidnapping people right there. But I had already, you know, skip it, you know, the Lord at work. Yeah. So you've, you've, you've been faithful in the mission field. You know, uh, our first missionaries uh, were actually Pastor Steve and Adley. And I was telling Adley yesterday, and on Friday night, that the first night, after the first night in Haiti, Adley became a flag with two colors. See what I mean? Because she was like, beaten by mosquitoes on one side of her body. <laughs> you know, the side that was up, you know. And then when she woke up in the morning, it was like red, you know, so uh, red and white, you know. That sounds like a flag, right? And then um, she told me afterward that uh, she, she, had, she had decided after that to never come back to this country. But she made at least four or five trips, I think, after that, you know. In fact, before the quake, you know, I have a picture of her in front of the National Palace, and that was the last time we've seen the National Palace. You know, it fell after the quake. You know, she had a picture there with, uh, with, with Pastor Steve. Since then, so many of you made the trip to Haiti and to love. You know, you know that you have been in a long relationship with someone like Pastor Steve when, like, you go through, you know, high and lows, right? If it's all good, probably not. Or all bad, probably not a good relationship. It's, you know, you have to go through high and lows, you know. And, and we've, we've been through that road with Pastor C, with Eric, you know. And you know also that you're in a good relationship with someone when, you know, your prayer changes a lot for that person. So that means you, you've known that person for a long time, you know. You've been going through seasons of life with him. Like that's, that's Eric, you know. At some point, you know, in Haiti, that's, Something that they ask people a lot. Are you married? Eric? No. Okay. We need to marry this guy. <laughs> you know? And then this church started praying for him. And then after a while he came back. I don't want to get married. Oh, church, stop praying. Pray that God keep him single for his glory. And then he came back. You know, I have this girl. Oh, so you want to get married? Yeah. Church, start praying again. <laughs> and then after a while I said, God... May your will be done in his life. Because <laughs> we don't know anymore. <laughs> Calvary Chapel in the city have been such, you know, you have many prayer warriors in this church. 
praying for Haiti all the time. We pray for you too all the time, for the boot camp, for the house of grace. We had a house of grace for young ladies in trouble who would put them in the house and care for them and give them a trade. Uh, the prison ministry, the professional school. And sometimes, and I was talking about this with Eric uh, yesterday, I think, like sometimes people don't understand why, you know, the ministry want to start a college. It's like, you know, you know, why start a college? In the U.S., you have thousands and thousands of colleges, and they are good, you know, and the church wouldn't go, you know, that route right now to start a college. But ministry has been, I call it our Moses, Moses stick, if you understand, when God asked Moses, what's in your hand? And there was a stick. And God says, okay, this is what we are going to use. You know, I've been tutoring people since I was in third grade. So education is my Moses stick. I was like a bad student in preschool. I was a bad student in first grade, second grade. Third grade, I started next to somebody who was worse than I. I said, God, we need to do something for this guy. <laughs> so I started to read the books myself. I've learned how to read in first and second grade. So I tried to read to understand so I can help my friend. You know? He doesn't get it at all. And I found out, oh, I don't need a teacher to learn. I can just learn myself. I understood. You know? And that year, since third grade, I've been on top of on top of my class every single year until, you know, the end of high school. And I've been doing what I did for my friend all through these years too because I don't have a good memory, so I don't remember stuff, but by helping people, you're constantly reminding yourself. And you know, you know, so education is my Moses stick. You know, it is more blessed to give than to receive. I've learned, I've learned that. I've lived that. You know, through other people, even when I was at UMass, I did the same thing. You know, I was a full-time student and full-time husband and full-time dad and full-time worker at the same time. It was tough. I still found the time when I went to UMass Boston to tutor other people who were doing worse than I. <laughs> you know, so this is my Moses stick. So when we went to Haiti, two months after the church started, we had a computer school already, an English school already. This is what I do. And God blessed that. You know, and uh, the pastor of the church now, I'm not the pastor of the church now, I'm devoted more to the college. So the pastor of the church used to be a student. He, he didn't come to church. He came to school. Now he's the pastor of the church. This is how effective, you know, the education ministry is. So it was natural that we go to the next level of preparing leaders for the country, you know, who have the same mindset. I, uh, like Finel, who is the pastor, like Gabby, the assistant pastor, the logis logistics pastor, he was a student in the school too. And many of our leaders, many of the people in the church today went through the school first. So this is a natural transition for us to do that. And Calvary Chapel in the city have been there. Sometimes even uh, when uh, Adley or Grace or Faith or Alicia, uh, uh, when they go there, they sometimes stop by the the, the English classes and, you know, to practice with the student. Do you remember that? You know, that all the time. So you've been part of whatever we do in Haiti through the years. And thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Like I said, sometimes they put their lives on the line. Whatever happened, Matthews, I mean, Hurricane Matthew, you know, uh, earthquake, it, they've been there, you know, sleeping in tents, you know going to bad roads, you put your life on the line sometimes to come and help, like Eric did, going through the DR, you know, because the word of God works. You know, you didn't do that because I am beautiful, right? <laughs> no, you did that because you love God. That has nothing to do with me. It's all God. You love me because you love God. You love the church in Haiti because you love God. You lo and I said that to the church all the time. They get surprised when I say that. I said, I don't love Haitian more than other people in the world. They said, what? You're not Haitian? I said, no, I'm Christian, you know. God can send me to Africa today. I love people the same way. You're not special. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, I love through the love of God. And that's what you've shown us, you know. You love God and you love us through that love that you have. And 
the fifth one is uh, the knowledge that you are this. This is a dream church. And I'm saying that seriously, sincerely. This is a dream church. Simple, loving, consistently teaching the word. You know, what else do you want? <laughs> Don't be foolish and go look for something else. Go start something like that. Does that make sense? Go start, unless you move to another city. That's, okay, that's different, you know. But, you know, with that, do you have conviction? Because that's what the Word of God does to us, right? Second Timothy 3.16, you know, one of the, of the objective of the, word of, of the Word of God is to convince you. How you convince? Do you know your limits? You know, with knowledge comes humility, right? Do you, do, you, do you know your limit or do you want to be right all the time in discussion? Even in our church in Poropen, sometimes I'm talking to people and they say something foolish, the doctrinally not sound. You know, I don't go and say, okay, what did you say? No, I just let it go. <laughs> I mean, let it go. Let them talk, you know. We'll have the opportunity, you know, to go and revisit that one-on-one -on -one or something like that. So that's what knowledge gives you. Knowledge also, and that's important, the next two points are very important, knowledge keeps you away from religion. Technically, Christianity is not a religion. People say that for classification, since they have to classify, you know, what we do, so we say it's a religion and we, we admit it, but it's not. It's not rituals. I didn't see any candles being burned this morning here or any incantation, you know, it's just simple, you know, very simple. And it's a relationship that you have with Christ, you know, nothing to do with religion. In fact, God doesn't like religion. That's what the Bible says. God says, if, if you want to do religion, okay, go love the orphans, go love the widows, <laughs> you know, that's our religion. So stay away from religion, because religion and politics is the next one. Stay away. Stay away from politics. I'm not saying don't go and be the president or be the mayor of the city. No, that, that's not what I'm saying, you know. But don't mix it with what we do here. Don't mix it. You know, in our college in Haiti, we are preparing, you know, our, our goal is to one day see the president or the prime minister of the country come from our school. That's the goal. So we have a leader who are managing the country with like Christian values and he has, or she has other people mind, I mean, like-minded that she can count on. You see what I mean? But don't mix it with what we do here. Don't mix religion with it. Politics, these are the two things that I hate the most. Religion and politics. You know why? They will make me kill my wife. And I will think that I kill my wife. I didn't kill my wife. They make me kill my wife. Does that make sense to you? You know, stay away. Be careful with these things. You know, and, uh, you know, with knowledge also comes leadership. I don't know if you know that. Because when you know, you can, you can explain the gospel, you can explain the Christian life, you know enough from a Bible-seeing church, people will have a tendency to follow you. So be careful with that. You're in a position to destroy people as well, if you're not careful. Because they are following you. You know, my daughter tells me, a few days ago, that I'm unlucky with churches. You know why? Because she's been to many churches while going to work to other places, and the pastors usually fall into sins, and that would destroy the church. You know? And she's been to many churches like that. And I said, it has nothing to do with luck. I was, tell I was telling her, we're not following God you know, on the basis of what somebody does, you know, but still, people do that. They follow Christ through following you. <laughs> but before you can, like, we focus them to following Christ, you have to be careful. I have to be careful. Because they think whatever we do is what Jesus would do. You know, they see Jesus through us. So with knowledge come great responsibility. So be careful. And uh, the last one is humility. This church is one of the most humble church that I know. Very humble. Matthew uh, 23, 11 says, The greatest among you will be your servant. 
for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, as those who humble themselves will be exalted. So, I've, you know, this is, you know, the, um, uh, a model of humility for me. And the way I can just put it is that your humility humbles me. You know, that's the way I, I can, you know, sums it up. Thank you. Thank you. In conclusion, let me remind you of these facts. I know the time, you know, is, my time is over. Uh, but, you know, I'm from the Caribbean. We don't check the time, right? <laughs> Any Caribbean people in the house? <laughs> right. We are, uh, there, there was a pastor in our church who used to say that uh, we have eternal life. Why worry about time, right? <laughs> we have eternal life. You <laughs> know, relax. <laughs> <laughs> with blessings come responsibilities you know that right Luke 12 48 but he not knowing and doing things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes but the, the last part of the verse is what I want you to focus on Luke 12 48 B that says for to whomever much is given of him much shall be Required, and to whom men have committed much of him, they will ask the more. So you've been given a lot. So a lot is required from you, and you've been giving a lot as well. You know, I've seen it, I've lived it. You know, but you have to continue in that. Continue to preach. Continue to keep it simple. Continue to love. Continue to be consistent in the teaching of the Word of God. Continue to be faithful. Continue on these things and be ready to leave your comfort zone, your comfort zone for the sake of the gospel. You don't know what God is going to require of you next. You know, sometimes people think that I have it hard because I live in Haiti. There is always turmoil, political, uh, natural disaster, always something. And that's true. But it's not harder than Craig, you know, believe it or not. You know, I cannot, you know, put myself in your shoes. Go into it. I went back to Haiti. That's my country. I know the culture. If somebody just look at me, I know what they mean. You know? I remember when I came to the state, when I came here to school, you know, somebody offered me a job as a security guard, but an armed security guard. I said, no, I cannot do that. The guy said, oh, you're lazy. You don't want to work. I said, no, it's not that. This is not my culture. Somebody may just look at me, and I interpret it, in my Haitian culture, and I shoot that person, right? Because <laughs> you know, this is about, I don't understand, you know, the intricacies of things, you know what I mean? So, you know, I feel for you, Craig, and I, and I thank God for you for, you know, doing this. And many of you go into the mission field. This is not easy. You know, I have it easy than you, you know, because, you know, there was a gang member who came to the yard with a gun and things like that. I was afraid. You know why? Because from the way he walks and he shoots the bullet in the air, whatever he did, I already understood that he needed my attention. So I went outside the gate and talked to him, you know, and calm him down and send him, send him home. But imagine that I was in Argentina. <laughs> I mean, what does that mean, you know? How should I, how should I react? I, I, I wouldn't know. It, you, you have it tougher than I, believe me. Believe me. So, in Amos 7, 14, the Bible says, Amos answered and said to Hamaziah, I was no prophet, nor was I a prophet's son, but I was a herdsman. In other words, I was just doing my job, you know, whatever you may be doing in life. And a gatherer from sycamore trees, I was just doing my job, my thing. And Jehovah took me from behind the flock, and Jehovah said to me, go, prophesy to my people, Israel. So God may just grab you at any time and says, go. Be ready. Be ready for that. The next one is not to get distracted by the thing that we talked about. Politics, religion, the pandemic, personal setbacks. You know, all these are distractions. You know, you know, I worked for a startup at some point, a computer startup. And we were all going to be rich and millionaires and, you know, and I was counting my millions already, you know. 
and then I was going to take that money and go to Haiti and spend it and glorify the Lord. So, I mean, it looks good. I'm spending it. So, I mean, that may be worth something, God, you know. I commit all that to you. And I says, no. He took that away from me. Everybody in that company except myself and my friend didn't make these millions, you know, for a reason that we don't talk about now. But I just give up my stocks. But you know that the amount of money that I was going to make, we, all, we already spent in Haiti. But now it's not me. It, it's God's doing, not me. So don't think, okay, you know, I'm going to get ready, you know, pack up, you know, put all that money away for, you know. <laughs> That's not my thinking, you know. I still, I still have a few uh, properties in Florida, like land, empty lands that I bought in part of Florida. And my wife and I said, okay, if, if we are hungry, you know, we are going to sell this one and eat and that one. And then once we set foot in Haiti, you know, everything went downhill. I had a property that was worth $80,000, and it went down to $8,000. And $8,000, it, it, it's not just the 8000 It's like nobody wants it. Even if I, uh, if I tell someone, you know, I give it to you. Said why? So I can go pay taxes on it? Because I cannot sell it. <laughs> I mean, people don't even want it. You know? So don't get distracted by these things. You know? Just let the Lord guide you. Amen? And persevere in the belief of the gospel by staying the course, like we said. Stay the course. And, uh, and stay on that path that God's put you. We are going to ask the worship team and the prayer team to come as... Uh, you know, before I read you that last verse in Deuteronomy 8. This was, this was from Pastor Scott. Pastor Scott used to be an assistant pastor here. He lives now in Texas. I'm still in contact with him, and I love Pastor Scott. You know, he says that I'm not even going to read it. It may be on the screen, but I don't know. But, but this is what it was. The message of Pastor Scott was that there is danger in success. Do you know that? When the people of Israel was entering the promised land, God tells them, be careful. When you're going to have, you know, this good land and the nice houses and, you know, the good paycheck, <laughs> you know, the nice cars, you know, you're going to forget me. You're going to be too comfortable, set in your ways, and you're going to forget me. And God says, you know, continue to love me with all your heart. You know, this church is a blessing. Continue to be blessed. Don't get distracted by success. Amen? Amen. Lord God, we thank you so much for your word. And we pray, Lord, that you will continue to speak to our hearts. Sometimes we get distracted by so many different details. Help us to stay focused, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.